Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. friends, welcome to Working in Yoga. I have a really special conversation on the podcast this week, and in re-listening to my chat with Val Sklar Robinson, I remembered one of my core values for this podcast and as a person, it's community. To me, it is incredibly important to acknowledge and work with the community of amazing people around me. In my town of Davenport, Iowa, that is local changemakers and organizers, and in the greater world, especially the yoga world, That is getting to talk to people like Val. I talk about this a bit in the podcast, but there is so often a divide and disconnect between those of us who work in the non-hot yoga spaces and those who are hot power flow 26 and 2 teachers. And I will call this out right away. A lot of people in the greater yoga space are total jerks to hot yoga folks, and I don't like it. We all have the same job and have more in common with each other than we do with anyone else teaching any sort of movement modality. So I got the pleasure of listening to Val's story about starting the original Hot Yoga Association. She calls it Oh Yeah, and it is a hell of a good idea. In a time of grand complaints and dissatisfaction with our greater trade organizations, Val started her own. You're going to want to listen to her how and her why. Her organization has over 900 teachers and 120 studios on their list. A couple of notes. Val says my community a lot, and that refers to the hot yoga community that started by Bikram Chowdhury specifically. And she also says him and my teacher a few times when referring to Bikram himself. There is one thing that is so clear from the jump in our talk. She has a passion for supporting hot yoga studios that I admire. And I want to call your attention to the fact that Val shares her contact info on the podcast, and then we chat for another 10 minutes or so. And those last 10 minutes are an absolute must listen. We really get into some great topics at the end, so make sure you listen to this podcast all the way through. Now, before we begin, this is where I ask you to go ahead and follow the podcast from wherever you're listening. It helps other yoga professionals find us all gathered around the water cooler so that we can talk shop and connect. And thank you so much to Sunlight Streams, the online self-care platform that sponsors this podcast. Go find their blogs on all things self-care at www.thesunlightexperience.com backslash blog. Now, on to my chat with Val Sklar Robinson. Hey friends, welcome to Working in Yoga. Okay, this week, this is a conversation I have been dying to have and I pitched it at who is someone who I hope is going to be my new friend, Val Sklar Robinson. And Val and I are going to talk about the most interesting thing I have seen pop up in the yoga world in the last couple years. That is the original Hot Yoga Association. So Val, can you tell everybody who you are and what you do? So yes, I, my name is Val Sklar Robinson. I own a studio in Pasadena called Hot Yoga Pasadena. I just celebrated my 25 year anniversary. We just had a little anniversary celebration recently. I opened as Bikram Yoga Pasadena in 1998. And I'm sure we'll get into this. I changed the name at the end of 2015, simply to Hot Yoga Pasadena um, for lots of reasons most people understand and to make a very clear statement to the world and to my students and that I was no longer associated with my series founder and that we moved on. Um, it also meant we were offering something other than the traditional 90-minute original hot yoga series. And we're, you know, I made the decision to kind of evolve the studio the way I found was appropriate. Um, 
many other people in my community were doing the same. And I still really loved what we were doing and loved how we were kind of changing and evolving. And I found there to be a very large void as my community, which is something I had loved. And for 17 years, I had been very devoted to in many ways. It was really, there was a big void in my community for several things. First of all, I used to go to yoga conferences at Estes Park, Colorado, which is a yoga journal conference, which was never really about my community. But when I was single and before I was married and had children, it was really fun to go to those um, events. I probably went to them in like 97, 8, 9, maybe even 2000. I don't know about 2000 was before I met my husband. But what was interesting is back then, um, you know, the Beaker world was still pretty small. And at the last conference I was at, there was a group of kind of senior women teachers, meaning I'd say women at the time who were probably in their 40s and 50s. And I heard them saying, we need to regulate ourselves before someone regulates us. And I thought, oh, that's interesting, you know, because I have a business mind. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And Yoga Alliance was born pretty soon after that. And it never mattered in my community because there was one way to get trained. There was only one way to open a studio. And it was kind of irrelevant to us, to be honest with you. And I mean, when I say we didn't care, I mean, we didn't care at all. The problem started in around 2012, 13, 14, 15. If you live in states like California, Massachusetts, New York, it was becoming pretty clear that the states were starting to, the yoga business was exploding so much, the states were starting to ask questions because let's keep in mind, in every state in this country, oh, I shouldn't say that, I know that, in my state for sure, if you're a nail salon person, you have a business thing on the wall. If you're a um, hairstylist, you have something on the wall. If you're a massage therapist, so you're regulated by the state, you're registered by the state, you've got to do your continuing education, whatever your industry is. So I think these states were like these yoga teachers, Pilates teachers, all this fitness was so unregulated, like gym people seem to be under something, but yoga teachers, Pilates teachers really weren't. So I started to think like, Am I going to have to go take some brand new teacher's 200-hour training that when I've taught like 20 years plus? So I started to see a major void in our community in terms of that that I was concerned about. And I also was getting very concerned as my community was imploding from my teacher, all the allegations, the fact that I was no longer comfortable being associated. Many studios wanted to move away from him. We had never had a support system. And... I am, I felt, it's funny, I, the one talk I listened to you, Rebecca, was with Nicole, who I'm aware of, we kind of circulate yeah. in, you know, I've always had a pretty good business mind, which was, I don't want to say totally unique, there's some very good business people in my community, but it's a little bit unique, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, most yoga teachers are very passionate yoga teachers, especially in my community, and the business was just not really something people were that interested in for a very long time. And when they did become interested, they didn't even know where to start. So I really felt that was somewhere I could help. And I was like, you know, we need to be able to have private conversations. And quite honestly, a lot of this was also corporate fitness was descending upon us. Yes, yes. I mean, descending. I mean, for those of us who went through the financial crisis of like 2008 and nine, that was hard. I went through it after 9-11. You know, these sort of recessions hit yoga studios. You know, we, I feel like we're the last thing people cut, but they usually hit us about an hour and a, a year and a half later. Yeah. You know, in 2001, things started to affect me after 9-11 in about 2003. You know, it takes you a few years to recover. The 2008 financial crisis didn't really hit me till like mid-2009, 2010, but there were some really rough years, right? So we've all been through these kind of ebbs and flows and, up and ups and downs. But there was really nothing quite like when the economy's fine and you just start getting the inundation of boutique fitness. You know, Beakram Studios, we used to open, like throw some carpet down, throw up some mirrors and we were open. My first studio was, I mean, you walked in, there were two tiny changing rooms, butt to butt, a yoga room, a bathroom, and it was great. No one expected more and things really had started to change. And it didn't matter if we're talking bar, if we're talking CrossFit, if we're talking spin, they were all coming. And whether it was big corporations or smaller local businesses, you know, for in my community where we had only 90 minute classes, we were getting killed, in my opinion, on just the concept of one hour. Yeah. 
Yeah. That was starting to be a real problem. And, you know, as I was step, stepping back from all the things of my teacher and looking at us all, like kind of putting our heads up, like, should we do an hour class? Should we do this other kind of thing? Should we? I felt we needed some support. So I really created Oh Yeah for those two main reasons, which was to give our community a place to come together. I mean, if you are not in my community, it is very easy to look out and go, how did you and what? I'm not going to get into that today. What I will tell you is most of us had the most incredible experience. The community was incredible. Being around everyone was incredible. Teacher training was a time to come together with other studio owners. I mean, it was just, it was, you know, once again, you had to be there to know. Um, it's mostly women. I'd say our community has always been 70 to 80% women, mostly yeah. studio owners, most of the teachers, et cetera. And I just wanted to unite our community away from him and just move us forward. I never, you know, and here's another thing that's really interesting too. This was never about making big announcements. It was never about, it was always a look forward. Does that make sense? Because the yep. reality is our community is like every community is incredibly not a monolith yeah. and people have very different feelings. And I think something I, I did do this five, six years ago, but something we could all learn today is you have to kind of respect the variety and the spectrum of feelings about my teacher, about all of these different things and realize we're not all going to agree, but we're going to, we wanted to create a way to have respectful conversations and also let people like maybe you and I want to go in the corner and go, can you believe this happened? Or, but like, yeah. let's talk about how to move forward. And it was never about looking back and needing that sort of validation. There are some people who do need that. And once again, I have compassion. And there was a lot of people hurt in my community. I have a lot of compassion for that. But, you know, one of the things in my community is you were so bullied. I mean, a lot of times it worked. We were basically, when we opened, it was like called it Bikram Yoga, your city, carpets, mirror, only mm -hmm. 90 minute classes, only certified Bikram teachers. Well, that wasn't that hard for me. That's just what you did. You weren't given any marketing help. You know, you weren't given any help how to build your studio. You had to go figure all that out yourself. But it really wasn't that bad. You know, it didn't bother me that much. But, you know, as student, more studios opened, why some people were able to close or further, et cetera. But anyways, um, I did not want to be telling, you know, there was a lot of talk like we need to create a new brand. And I said, you know, I, we don't need to create a new brand. I'm going to do the brand of my studio. You do you, you do you, and you do you. And let's, yeah. there's an idea. Let's kind of respect everyone to... If you want to, if you're a super vinyasa person and that's where you want to evolve, or you're a lot of my community, not a lot, but there's that percent that's really good at intermediate or advanced. Yeah. That's not my interest, but like, great, go do that. You know, I, we had to figure out. So I created, oh yeah, I started inviting studios that were my friends. A lot of people jumped on. It took a long time for others to join. But the idea was like, let's come together around the standards of you're owned by a certified Bikram teacher. Eventually, obviously, we evolved that. That you teach 90-minute classes by certified Bikram teachers or people that are going to start coming up through this OEI-approved training. So that, you know, this is a thing. Our community has always been a little separate, right? There's basically Bikram yoga. Yes. And vinyasa, yes. hatha, yin. We're just two different worlds. And we don't always understand each other. And we don't always agree. I mean, I'll be, I got to be honest. It's the snobbery when I used to go to all these other classes, because oh. all around LA, you know, one guy would be, you don't vinyasa, that's not yoga. You don't meditate, that's not yoga. Like the amount of things like, and I'm like, God, you're like my religion. If you don't do this, you're not a good whatever religion. If you don't do this, you're not a good. Yeah. And I was like, y'all have a lot of opinions. Meanwhile, my community was exploding studios and you weren't hearing about all these other. So it's just like, y'all have an opinion. Why don't everyone do what makes them happy? You know, I'm sure even if you don't personally do Bikram yoga, you have a friend who that's all they do because that's what they like. Yes. And I'll be on. Oh, I was going to say, I'll, I'll be honest with you. What you're pointing out is something I've been seeing for years. Now, I've said I'm a recovering judgy yoga person. So I'm a trained yoga therapist. I certified through the IYT, which is also an alternative organization. Yeah. So, but to be honest with you, like I said before we press record, I believe firmly we all have the same job. And it's so ridiculous for us to act like one group is the uh, the good yoga and the other people are like not the good yoga. We have the same job. 
I've always said, why aren't we talking to hot yoga more? Why do we, why is hot yoga whispered to other people? Like if you're in a non-hot yoga space, you're like, okay, we're all doing this over here, but then there's the hot yoga people. I'm like, it's the same damn job, all of us. And I, I would love to see more connection through all of the communities because one thing you referenced that hot yoga is well known for is your tightly knit community. As you've said this, that said that phrase, my community, many times, like Iyengar could use some of that. Hatha could use some of that because we're all kind of jerks to each other. So I admire what you've done and built. I feel like you can build like a path for many of the rest of us to come together as an industry. So can you tell me the steps you took to start it? You're a 501c6, just like the Yoga Alliance, just like the IYT. Like, tell us your steps. Well, it was a big deal. I mean, look, I did this all by myself. This is where I'm like, I started this by myself. I got with my web guy. We created a logo. I got a, you know, originally it was through my corporation because once again, you know, I just did it. And, and I've never, it was never meant to be huge. It wasn't a big opportunity. It's always been a passion driven. It is what it is. And it's been interesting along the journey because I always had people, we should do this and it'll be huge. I'm like, that's not what we're doing. I'm not here to regulate. You know, I've been pushed like, why don't you do hot vinyasa? Who am I to regulate or set standards for hot vinyasa? I mean, I actually have a long Ashtanga history, but that's not my specialty. That's not my authority. And who am I to pick who is? And then how do I know who they're? Like, I'm just like, I'm just going to stay in this lane and let it be what it is. You know, I don't let people put on my website the best is it the best? I don't know. Yeah. I've got hundreds of studios I've, that have come through this, uh, almost a thousand teachers. I can't guarantee everyone is the best and amazing. I can just tell you that they're meeting our standards, right? So I created it. I created a logo. I basically had a teacher, a studio directory, and I created the teacher directory. That's what I really started with, with those two focuses, a way to kind of support the studios and like, let's give our teachers a place to register. And I knew it would take a long time. Like I knew this was not going to be some overnight or everyone's joining, you know, it was, and I also made it easier. I made it not so money driven and I wanted to keep it simple. You know, I didn't want a ton of admin. I didn't like what I was seeing with a lot of the yoga Alliance and I didn't have a ton of things to offer yet. So I'm not charging money for things I'm not offering until there's more value. So I made it very simple. And that's really how I started it. And, you know, this was still at a time in 2016 and 2017 where there was a lot of upheaval upheaval in the community. Yes. You know, the trials had not happened yet. Um, There was a lot of accusations. There was a lot of opinions that we quietly won't talk about publicly. There was a lot of just people and quite honestly, I think us going through a process of what is our future? resident making our own you know i think every studio owner had their own process now for some who never had a good experience it was easy but for those of us who had really loved a lot it was a process right and we had to allow people to be on a different process so it did not it was a very slow growing thing but it was amazing you know i've always focused on who did join and who is helping and who is participating and in many ways it was very successful from the very beginning because the people who got it got it you know like my friends who own four studios in new york they joined immediately all their teachers joined my friends in texas four studios they joined all their teachers joined my friends in um pennsylvania you know three studios all the teachers so the big people got it. It was often kind of the small little or like, we're fine. Why do we need to? It's like, until they need something, then they join. Right. And we're always there with open arms if they qualify. So, um, you know, and what's hard too is, you know, there were all these Bikram pages, but if I even mentioned anything, they would like threaten to kick me out. So it's like, I wasn't allowed to tell <laughs> anybody. Um, and then there was also, I'll be honest, at that time, there was someone who was trying to start something else. And uh-huh. I did not find her to have integrity. I had a very bad experience and I just shared that with other people that I don't, I don't, in my opinion. And the funny thing is that whole thing just imploded. Like when you leave the universe alone with certain things and just, once again, I don't throw out the negativity. I never work against anybody. There's a place for everybody. People do what they're comfortable with. Um, But basically I realized, you know, for us to really be a real legit organization, we need to be a nonprofit. 
Because if you're like, well, why am I joining God to give you money? Well, I'm like, well, first, can you pay like the five thousand or whatever or thousands of dollars I've invested? I'm just, I'm yeah. way in the hole, but it just doesn't look right. Why is Val in Why is Val, right? And this wasn't about selling it. This wasn't a business opportunity. It was more just, you know, like, can I break even? So it was a good thing. You know, I, one of my students, you know, the beauty of the yoga studio. And I got a board together. You know, obviously you need a board. Yep. And from there, you know, it's, it's a complicated process. Luckily, he's stuck to the number he gave me. We're a very small income organization. And we created, um, you know, trademarked. I do have the trademark on Original Hot Yoga Association and got rid of the DBA because it's now a um, nonprofit organization and has been since about 2018. So it's probably been about five years already. But I just thought that was the right move forward. You know, we've got our board and, you know, we have our meetings and our notes and our all those things because I think it's the right thing to do. And, you know, so we want to be in line with all those standards that are for that. So can I ask a, a random, this feels random, but also very poignant for the reason why you started. How do you hold grief for community? Because there has to have been a grieving process of leaving your original like the collective of Bikram, like I said, is legendary for that community oriented, like, and then that, that break, right? How does, I mean, I almost feel like an organization can be a space where people can grieve as they shift forward. Like, did you see any of that? Or was it very much just a- I personally grieved. Yeah, yeah I mean, of course. I mean, there was, and that's, you know, and I think honestly that grieving process is still ongoing because he's back doing trainings, even though it's under another company that bought his yes. name. So, you know, it's kind of like any other bad situation. Like, you know, logically you shouldn't care at all, but I mean, it was a process. And I think we all supported that. I mean, one of the things I've tried to foster in the organization, once again, it's not about me, um, but I also did not start the organization with partners because in my community, it's like herding cats and I needed to have one person make decisions. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I feel, and you know, you could ask people like Juliana who didn't really know me, my decisions are usually respected and they aren't always liked by everybody because no one, and not everybody always likes the same decision, but I think my community trusts me to make ethical, reasonable and rational decisions. And that has been important. I know, right? That because it gives me chills, Val. <laughs> you know, because, you know, I'm driven by a very strong moral code. Um, I didn't really pay myself the first two years. I'm not going to feel bad paying myself something, but this is not a big money opportunity. You know, I don't take advantage. I have a board. I show that, you know, they're always like, please take that. You know, it's, it's very important to me, the perception, you know, recently, you know, what's great though is that we, when we can reach out, for example, someone just said, would you like to buy the original Hot Yoga Association mailing list? So I had to like, just so we're all clear. And I think, you know, this, I don't sell anything, you know, so it's like, but I think sometimes like, okay, I didn't think so, but you know, but I can immediately connect with everybody. And I was like, and I, you know, I told her to stop, but I'm like, yeah, someone really can just go and get all the, just unsubscribe. I mean, it is on the directory. If someone wants to sit there and go one by one, <laughs> right. But they're trying to sell you your own. You all have access. I mean, it's so comical, right? How people try to take advantage. And um, but yes, there has been a grieving process. I will tell you, though, for the most part, we're all past it. Yeah. Um, we've really settled it. But here's the other thing I'm going to tell you. There are still plenty of studios that are on the other side. And once again, I don't, we're not, it's not us versus them. I'm friends with them, some of those people. I consider them my friends. I don't want to say I talk to them all the time. Yeah. But like I said, I don't end friendships because someone still aligns with Bikram, even though I cannot believe someone would still send people to their training, but people are. And yeah. I have to let it go. Right. So yeah. it's not an us versus them. I have people who are in OYA who manage studios, but their owners, you know, it's, you know, people are adults and they have, no one doesn't know. It's just something I don't personally support. But it's there, it's still there. There's lots of things going on today in my community, right? So, so how do you as an organization answer that? As you said, you said, I, I love that your attitude is everybody is welcome, we will be there with open arms because there's really no point in the attack, especially within the community, that you're not changing anybody's mind. 
with the you're wrong kind of situation you have to everybody goes through their own process do you have support within the organization for other studio owners who are saying you know my best friend who i trained with doesn't have this attitude the same attitude or really supports big or says you know it's all a lie etc i mean here's the thing too and also i mean here's where it's funny you know different states have different opinions i mean yeah. Beacroom was supposed to go to Canada in February and it started a shitstorm. Am I allowed to swear? You are. And also you should know that I was on an organizing board to actually stop Beacroom from coming to Canada. We were reporting him for border patrol. So you should know, I, like, I know a lot about yeah, that. Well, and I was quietly making sure I was in touch with all everyone up there too. So, um, so you know what I'm talking about Yeah. and the people up there were horrified, but of course there was also, there's a studio there, not an OEM member who, of course, was hosting it. Yeah. And yeah. At, at the studio I was talking to, there were teachers who might have been going, like, this is what I'm saying. Um, there was two oh yeah owners that were considering going and other people were having a fit. I'm like, they haven't had the, they didn't have the 15 years I did. Like my one friend, I'm like, I can't believe it. She's like, you had so much fun for those 17 years. Now. You loved it. They haven't had that. Yeah. So we have to let it go. Right. You, yeah. These aren't like, that's not part of the organization that you don't have any, that's not part of it. You know, we, we keep what's clear, clear. And the rest is individual choice. Yeah. You know, I'm going to shift gears just briefly. Cause this, there's another word on your website that I think maybe well, it's really you, funny. Can I just show you, I'm about yeah. to redo that whole website, but anyways, <laughs> well, you reference a lot about the therapeutic nature of hot yoga. And what you may not know is that within the yoga therapy space, we acknowledge that a lot, that there are a lot of people who are finding the heat to be really therapeutic for their bodies, especially folks in chronic pain, that kind of um, folks in that kind of situation. And so I'm curious if you can say a little bit about that, just because I think a lot of people don't acknowledge or know that that is an element of experience in hot yoga spaces. Well, you know, this is one of these very complicated subjects because I am not a doctor. Right. I'm not a scientist. Um, you know, the hot yoga world is very excited that this study just came out on the Harvard Gazette in the last week. Yeah, I saw um, that. Which was a study about people. They, they did a study on people who practiced two 90-minute classes a week versus people who didn't. And a very large decrease in depression. And um, anyways, so what we know and I know my own story, I can tell you, but we all know, and I can give you very specific examples, um, even though I'm not a doctor and I don't have a study on it, but this yoga is very simple and just has some incredible therapeutic benefits. Now I would say all yoga has an element of therapeutic benefits. Cause if you want to simply say stretching your ligaments and bones is a good thing or stretching your muscles is therapeutic, right? So you know, but it's kind of like, I think on one of the social media platforms, you aren't allowed to use the word healing. So I always yeah. avoid that word a bit because that's a lot more subjective of what healing is, but there's something in this yoga and the combination of the postures we do where, and I'm the worst, I'm not the anatomy person. There's people who can speak much better to this. I'm really clear about that. I'm I have an incredible sense. I can probably watch even you move and see a few things and ask you to move, but I can't name it all. I'm really bad about that. But there's an incredible therapeutic aspect. And we know this because of, I can tell you a very specific story about myself. And I can tell you very specific stories about my students that are said to me all the time. From my earliest days, someone who never took migraine medication again, to people who get off antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds. That's, it's funny that study was done because that's something people don't talk about. You know, yoga, they always think weight loss. Um, and yes, there are physical benefits. I don't, in my studio, if I hear someone asking about how they get rid of somewhere this fat, I won't even, I say, go talk about it somewhere else. Cause to me, the yoga is about how you feel. Weight loss comes and goes. There's lots of shapes and sizes. I'm uninterested yeah. in that conversation, yeah. how I eat and yeah. how you eat can both be great and different. I'm uninterested personally in those conversations, but what's way more fascinating to hear is people's back pain gone. I've literally helped someone through alleviating a frozen shoulder people who've gotten rid of, you know, um, thyroid problems. I mean, on and on and on. These are specific. I mean, I think my favorite one, if you go to my website on my testimonials, I had a student with such severe cerebral palsy. She was in a wheelchair and she couldn't even speak. And I mean, it was a matter of just straightening her arms. 
and how much pain we were able to reduce. So like, these are just facts, just the facts, ma'am. It's a very healing system. It's very intense, but it's very simple. And it's just, you know, our yoga is, you know, it's, there's lots that are great and I've tried them all. And I'm a little bit, I have a lot of opinions, not that anyone wants them or that I should even say them, but I have a lot of opinions about, you know, different things. And I think it's all great. I think you should do the yoga that makes you happy and a community where you feel supported and in teachers that you feel connected to and that add value. I mean, I think these things are very personal. So tell me this, if you could, because this is something, like I said earlier, that bothers me, but if you could see a bridge between hot yoga community and the rest of the yoga world, what would that look like? How could we play together more and talk less about how we're different? That's so interesting because just sometimes the nature of the trainings, the style, almost most people outside of the, my specific hot yoga world, remember there's lots of other corporate hot yoga, right. even Vinyasa, yeah. there's so, I mean, that's a funny thing. Hot yoga is this, oh, hot yoga. Now there's not many places that don't have a warm room or aren't building a warm room or doing warm yeah. Vinyasa, warm yin, et cetera. But um, I feel like, you know, our set series is what we specialize in. We don't create different series. We don't create different classes. We aren't, you know, I mean, the biggest difference, I mean, I'm going, I'm answering your question backwards, but the biggest difference I see, even at a very good vinyasa studio, there's a very good vinyasa studio, kind of the next town over. And it's a warm, it's mostly warm too. There's a lot more, in my opinion, um, spiritually angled discussion in the class. Okay. Yeah. And we are not. Our series. Now, I have things I talk about. I talk a lot about ease. I talk a lot about breath, calming the mind, which are all, these are not unique in my community or my specific, you know, creations, but you're not going to hear a lot about a lot of the more kind of spiritual minded things you're going to find in many, many other sorts of classes outside our community. We kind of go the opposite direction. So for many reasons, I, well, I feel like my community and almost the rest of the yoga community is just so separated is not only is the yoga different, not only is the heat usually different. But the method and methodology and perspective we're teaching from is really radically different. And we all believe we're doing it the right way. And we are for our, <laughs> yeah, for us and you for you, right? Yeah. What is the bridge? You know, I always speak positive about all yoga. Um, I personally am always trying to support small local businesses. There is a very sweet, cause I'm, I'm really annoyed, you know, when it, we, I don't know, want to get into it now, but you know, these corporations were created to come after us specifically. Yes. yes. And it's been, absolutely. And it's been very interesting to see how that's evolved and what's actually happened, which actually validates what we do because there are three hot yoga corporations in Pasadena alone, not to mention other things, just three hot yoga corporations, yet I just won, well, this can't come out before November 9th, best yoga, best Pilates, and best place to work out. Because nice. corporations don't have the sort of grassroots support a small business does. So, you know, when I get a student every now and then who I feel wants a more kind of spiritual minded, uh, I have a wonderful place I send them to. I There's actually two places, but I really like this one more. Because yeah. they're you know what I'm saying? So I will flat out send people to them. doesn't mean I'm going to advertise for them. I'm not going to. That's not my job, right? But I always make the point of discussing small businesses, passion-led businesses, um, aligning with your values. Um, and it's been very interesting after COVID because, I mean, to be honest with you, I have no idea how the corporations are doing, but I don't feel they're taking over the way they were before because people understand our value. They understand the value of the teaching, not just my studio, your studio, all these. And it's it's really great to see the rise again of small studios of all kinds. And to be honest with you, when you ask, what is the bridge? A friend recommended me to that yoga studio owners group. I'm, I'm sure you're in. Yeah, yeah. I found it crazy making. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I can see it. I can see that. Yes. But I'm so funny, the way I handled that, I helped about two different women. I said, can I just call you and let's go over your website. Let me talk about your pricing. Let me talk about, and I spent like two hours on the phone with them and I'm like all the best. So 
I almost can't handle these little snippets. Um, there were two women I talked to who were just so grateful. And I was just like, but I can't be on here anymore because I'm going crazy. <laughs> I just, yes, you don't have what we have, but my focus is my community. It's not helping yeah. all, you know, I mean, that is my focus, right? Yeah. I totally understand you. I'm in that yoga studio owners group, which is how Nicole, Nicole, and one of the things that it is crazy making, because I think that a lot of business ownership, people at first feel like they're not going to ask themselves, like, like, do you think I should charge this much? I don't know, babe, run your numbers. <laughs> like there, there's a point in business ownership where you have to rely on your own instincts. And there is a confidence that I think is built over the years of being a studio oh. owner. And that's and the thing. I'm impatient and I yeah. don't have patience for like, oh, and there's a lot of people who are like bought a studio, but they have a full-time job. And it's like, I, since 1998, this has been yeah. it for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And people used to ask me, what is, what do you do to make a living? And I'm like, I've given it all up for this in my tiny studio when I had five students. Like this is, I've never had a backup and I left a very successful shoe career to do this. So yeah. You said something interesting about corporate yoga that I want to readdress. First of all, validating the fact that absolutely, especially the first chain yoga studios were coming after hot yoga, specifically Bikram style hot yoga. Absolutely. That was what they were built for. What is very interesting is in 2021, Yoga 6 actually expanded 96 locations. Like they tripled the amount of locations and franchises that they have in 2021 when we were all dying, right? Like when we were, when like our industry was flushed down the drain. But what I haven't seen is just this influx of like yoga six studio owners out there or all of these people like, and, and I'm curious, I think you're right. What happened after COVID, well, you know, on the tail end of COVID here, is that there was that push to support small businesses and boutique small business business fitness businesses like ours so i actually love that shop local support hot yoga studios like i tell people i'm not hot so every time people said to me i'm worried about corporate coming in and i was like i'm good <laughs> i don't have they're not competing with me but i have two good friends who i always have coffee with both of them own hot studios and I'm like, how can I support you? Because the more we all thrive, the better it is for everybody. Oh, yeah. And I guarantee you, like this other studio, I know they do the reverse, right? Yeah. When people like when you doesn't matter, we call it original hot yoga. If you are the person that likes this yoga, you're going to find it. There's yeah. the there's telltale signs all over my website. And sometimes people just hear, you know, a lot of it is, well, Rebecca says I have to come to you. So here I am. Yep. But I'll tell you about this though, Rebecca is really interesting because I've been in this a long time. And in the early days, there was a woman named Mati Azrahi who opened Yoga Works. Yes. And Yoga Works on the West had two beautiful studios, one on Main Street and one on Montana. And even I'll be honest, like I was a yoga nomad for a long time. Like Bikram was my main thing. Once I found it, I actually started with Kundalini, which is big in LA. Not as big since um, Yogi Bhajan died, but you know, there's a there's a lot to experience here and just try out. And once I kind of, I don't even know if this was before my Bikram life or after, but you know, I mean, my, Yoga Works always had the best. Richard Freeman, you yeah. know, um, I'm trying to think of the other, you know, workshops I went to, but you know, you'd go to her studios. I mean, incredible. She launched some of the most, the first kind of yoga celebrities, Sean Korn, Eric Schiffman. I mean. Yeah. A lot of the people I was going to Colorado to see, I only actually needed to drive across town. They were all at Yoga Works and they were passionate, incredibly knowledgeable, really, really incredible teachers. And I'm not judging Monty, but I'm just saying she went first. The first, and I don't know all the details, but the first hedge fund that bought her and Chuck Miller. I mean, it really was Mati's. I think at some point her and yeah. Chuck Miller, who was another very, you know, Mati was more Iyengar, Chuck Miller was more Ashtanga. And they kind of, they also kind of, it's weird. They both kind of left the rigidness of those systems and kind of created this, let's get rid of the shoulds. And they were both incredible physical yogis. They could do everything. Both of them were incredible physical yogis, but as they were creating teachers, they wanted to create more thoughtful, more 
conscientious based teaching that wasn't just quite honestly the baker himself just like your name right yeah so but when she sold and i think she's you know there was it was interesting to watch what happened right because the corporation went around and they bought out larchmont yoga and they bought out alan finger studios in new york i mean yeah they went around the country and those people at that time it was i mean the numbers we were hearing were pretty extraordinary i wasn't interested in selling but it was really interesting to watch. And what was interesting though, is everything kind of started always doing this. You know, over the years, they were the first ones that ran Groupons. Their sales style was so aggressive. And, you know, I, I think in the earlier days, I was, I'm, a, I'm an emotional person by nature. And I did get upset when Yoga Works came right before I opened. You know, I almost had a nervous breakdown when one of the other corporations. And then the last, the one that actually probably is a bit of an issue is on my same street. We get calls all the time. I'm upset about my billing. I'm like, let's just, I'd love to help you, but I'm a locally owned female owned business. I've been here 25 years. I think you're trying to call the passing location of this corporate studio. Yeah. So what I even saw with Yoga Works is, look, they played games, they bought all these things, and they say they're a $50 million company or whatever, you know, I don't remember the number, so I don't want to be held to that. But, you know, whatever the number was, they never actually had this IPO that, I, that I'm that i aware of. So, and then suddenly during COVID, the whole brick and mortar closed. Yeah. So it's just kind of interesting watching, even with some of these other corporations and just going, you all just do you. So to this day, Rebecca, the truth is, I have no idea. They might all be doing great because we know that services and yoga is doing really well right now for the most part. Yep. I don't know how they're doing, but what's really different since COVID, I don't hear about them anymore. No one walks yeah. in there like they used to walk into with a keychain from, I don't hear about them anymore. And yeah. it's become irrelevant. And I don't know why it took me over 20 years to finally say it's irrelevant because what we do is so unique and so special. And the way we treat our clients and the experience that we offer is so unique. Yeah. And that's what I, and that's what I wanted had wanted to passionately teach my other studios, the ones who aren't there yet and are still focused on, well, I need to do this or I need to do that. It's like, but do you? Do you offer studio support for the owners in Oya? Oh yeah? Yes, that's a big part of it. Oh, say more about that. What are you offering? Is it marketing advice? Is it like no, how to manage that's, teachers? That's not my strength. Yeah. So this is, like I said, from the beginning, one of the biggest things is I am a good business person on top of being, well, most people would say a good yoga teacher and running a great studio, but we never had that. So, you know, we have a private Facebook group, you know, similar to yoga studios, but it's just for our community, but we take it further. You know, we had two business conferences, one in 2018, one in 2019 that were fantastic. And awesome. I mean, really for a lot of us, that's when kind of a lot of this coaching started um, I had a coach that, you know, we don't work with anymore, but it was like, oh, I think I'm really good at this. And I didn't think about that. So I think at that time, it was like when my body was doing bold conferences and there was kind of a time of like these corporations had things they were doing. We didn't know about in terms of that level of business. And we knew we needed to be up leveling, competing against all this boutique fitness. And, you know, there was a business coach a lot of us work with. Nicole has not so much been in my community. There were a couple others that were from my community because that's how we are, because that's who we know. But we had some business conferences that were fantastic. And then you'd have fall off in a positive way from that. Um, even during COVID, we did two virtual ones because we couldn't, um, you know, it wasn't, I didn't want to plan something and cancels and whatever. And I'm actually leaving on Sunday this year for our studio owners retreat. Awesome. So in addition to that, we offer what, and a lot of times I lead them, to be honest, but not always. Um, I do what we call studio owner forums. And a lot of these we do for free. But if I bring someone else on, like we had someone who really showed us how to do Canva a year ago, you know, people would pay $35 each. These things are either free or very nominal. This mm -hmm. is not a big, but it's also why like we're not getting in some huge person because we're not paying those sort of fees because we don't ask for those sort of fees. So um, not everyone participates in all these things. Um, it's always sad to see when someone didn't jump into these and then they close and they just didn't know. But yeah, we do a lot of studio support. I mean, I talk to people on the phone all the time, which is it's, not part of my job, but it's just who I am. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like you're filling this element that I've seen has been a huge gaping hole in our 
yoga industry on the whole, like even when you look at bigger organizations, Yoga Alliance is pretty much the only game in town unless you're therapeutic. Like they're, they'll have something for teachers, you know, continuing education. They have people are teaching anatomy. Maybe somebody's going to teach this other pranayama over here or something like that. But then there's nothing to support the industry in the way of studio owners. Like, and so many people start their businesses because they just love yoga. They just really want to share this practice that was life changing for us with other people and hold space for that to happen in their communities. And so I, I think you're right. Like you're lucky. And I think, you know, I was lucky when I started my business, like the business part was really fun for me. And I know a lot of people don't find it really fun, but I found it a very fun and creative outlet. But that element is so awesome. Like, like you can be, oh yeah. And I want to start like an offshoot of you, like hell yeah, for people who are like not hot studios. Well, Rebecca, what I'll say too is, you know, I think coaches like Nicole, if studios are smart, will fill, I think already do fill a lot of that void. Yeah. Um, you know, I give my coach a lot of credit for a lot of the things he taught us. And me specifically in our community, there were just these concepts, you know, but also the the organization I provided also exploded that business for him as well. Right. So I'm not the one that's going to sit down with a new owner and start developing your mission, vision, and core values. First of all, it's not my strength. I paid one of my studio owners actually to help me. Oh, yeah. Right. So yeah. I think that's an amazing outlet. And sometimes even just finding like who wants to help with this, because I'd rather keep it in my community because no one gets my community the way my community does. Yeah. So, but, you know, even in a lot of that yoga studio owners group, I was like, you all need a coach. You have to know who you are, what you want, what your goals are, because there's no point in talking pricing or classes or a schedule until you've gone about 10 steps back. Yeah. So I do think there's a great place for people like Nicole who are new, who don't understand how to run budgets. I mean, I'll tell you my third business that I don't really spend much time on. I actually have a trademark for budgeting guru because oh. girl, I am a master at budgeting and projecting. Which once again, is not a very glamorous thing for a lot of people, but I am like sick at it. So, I love a spreadsheet, my friend. Oh, all day. <laughs> and I update it and reproject and, you know, and it's, yes. and it's like, okay, Rebecca, but where's, let's look at all those expenses. What are the recurring? Where is that? Do you need all that retail? What's the, let me show me your income on that retail. You want to expand? Let me see the numbers. Let's see, like, you know. We're going to project, we're going to look at the, you know, so yeah, I love that stuff. So I help, I do have a side business where I do that, but I, I don't use, oh yeah, to promote that. Cause I'm sick of people always selling themselves. It's just when people need, it's like, if you want help with this, I help people with that too. Okay. So but before we, before we go, I want you to tell people one thing that drives you crazy. That's a misconception about the hot yoga community where you can tell everybody to fuck off about it. <laughs> and like tell me the thing that drives you nuts that the rest of us think but isn't actually true you know there's the, i'll give you the main one and the second one number okay. one and this is where i'm just understanding people on my the other political side of the aisle of me when they talk about fake news and the media what is very this is like oh i see what you mean because it is hard to find, other than the Beakram documentary where I said to her, because she interviewed me up, you know, I'm sure you've seen that. I'm in a lot of that. Yes. I said to her, if you fucking say this, I will go on a tear. Beakram Yoga was never a franchise. Mm. And when it's called that, and there's an illusion that we were all giving him money, it's patently false. Ooh. That yeah. is the biggest misconception more about the past than the future. We were never a franchise in fact because we never were and you know the way it worked is Beacom, i want to open in pasadena that's the best i give i'll go do that and that's what i did that was it there was no franchise when he tried because people so many business people were always in his face when he actually sent us all a franchise agreement in 2008 that was the beginning to the end of our community was not actually what happened later that was the beginning because we all said, absolutely fucking not am I signing this. 
Yeah. Oh, that is a good one. Oh, give me number two. That is a really good one, Val. So now to clarify truth and honesty, towards the end, I would say in the teens, some studios in the later days had to pay $10,000. I'd say, I don't know the exact number. It's not a lot. I don't know. And there might have even been a few of them who were not I don't want to say who were not advised and maybe, you know, three studios did, but there was never a franchise. Franchises are very complicated. They're approved by states and we all told them no way. So there was never a franchise. That's number one. And the number two is I think some people, and don't get me wrong, I can't promise there's no studio like this, but in the old days, there was a very hardcore attitude because people thought that's was Bikram's way. And they also didn't have the wherewithal to see if you really looked at how he taught, he knew who to teach in a very intense way and who to actually teach in the most loving, kind way. But there were people who almost taught, who were American, who almost taught with an Indian accent, so busy trying to copy him, who taught in this very, you know, your goal is to not leave the room, don't sit down. It's, you know, that has not existed in a very long time that level of hardcoreness has not existed in a long time. So I think there's some people who heard or who think or assume, yeah. and that not only did it, like it never existed with me, I was in way too much pain. That's never how I taught. I always taught from a more humble and compassionate place, always, because I was in pain with my situation in hip. But I think some people have this misconception about really what we do exactly. So. You're cool as shit, Val. <laughs> Tell everybody where to find you and where to find information about, oh yeah. Um, I'm going to say one other thing that's really important. Yes. Obviously, we have absolutely no affiliation, nor have we since we were created with Bikram Yoga or the company that purchased him, KPC Life. Um, we have zero affiliation with them. That's very important. Um, I can't promise there's not a studio that does it, whatever, but us as an organization has no affiliation with them. And... We are no longer going to allow their graduates to join our directory. So that's another decision the board made because we don't actually know what's going on. It's not what it was. And we really want a full separation and we don't want to have any level of, um, it is complicated, right? Because if you did training yeah. in 2017, we're still going to take you because it's not, but now we're saying no, like we are now making a full break and we, you know, they are doing their own thing and yeah. So anyone more current. So yes, where can people find us? Um, OHYassociation.com, OHYASSN at gmail.com or oh yeah, teachers at gmail.com. Thank you so much for coming on and telling me about this organization. I'm, I'm honestly inspired. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I'm looking at like my notes on Atrium. I'm saying, did we forget to talk about anything? Like the fact we have over 900 teachers. And <gasps> yes. Yeah. Ooh, add yeah. that. Add, okay. Yeah. So so we have, over, I will say this too, we have over 900 teachers and we used to have about 150 studios and it's now closer to 120. And a lot of that is we made a decision that, you know, when people who didn't qualify to own our studios bought studios, we were not affiliated with those because we did not feel that they met our standards in terms of teaching and finding classes. Yeah. Um, some studios just didn't want to continue supporting us. So we said, that's fine, but we're not going to keep supporting you on our list. Um, and some studios have gone so far in both directions, like some have leaned in even further and, you know, wanting to be associated with him. And some have gone so far off and don't really even have the classes that they're like, we think you're great, but I don't think we're really aligned anymore. I'm like, I get it. And I wish you the best. Is there anything else you want to add? Um, the international community is also joining us more and more. <gasps> and that has been a very positive development. No. Yeah. If you look, you know, there's a training finishing right now in Vienna who was formerly Bikram Yoga Vienna. Um, we had a training this year, you know, we've had them in the UK, in Northern Europe, kind of in Scandinavia, Australia, New Zealand. So, and once again, they all found me. I have not, I have not sent a, do you want to join letter in five years? So people are finding us because they want to be aligned under our standards. They want to show that they, you know, people have basically like, and especially as this, you know, over there in my old community, that's like, no, no, no. I want to be doing what you're doing. You know, people like it. You have integrity. You have a code of ethics. 
that's another big thing we didn't talk about. We don't just, we are not a transactional organization. This is so important. Um, We've actually updated our core values, our mission and our vision and including our code of ethics. And it's actually a way that we've actually had to unapprove two trainings that had ethics violations. And Mm -hmm. I talked to people and we had to unapprove because we're not going to have that sort of treatment in our community anymore. And these were women. Like it's, so we, you know, but once again, people can share ethic violations with us. And it doesn't mean like, Rebecca, I expect more from you. That's not bullying. But having high standards is one, bullying and unethical behavior is another. Um, We do have ethical standards from people who can join us. We've had people in our community who won't meet our ethical standards. So it's not perfect and we can't, but we really do try to stand behind ethical business practices um, and ethical business behavior and just ethical behavior in general. Do you get the sense, do you get the sense that you're, keeping people safe with this project, keeping women safe with this project? You know, that's a bold statement that I can't ensure ever. Um, But do I feel that I am doing everything I can through the organization I've created, through the relationships we have to basically make it so that environment cannot be created? Yes, I do. I really like you, Val. Uh, you can only really ask <laughs> someone else if they feel safe. You know, that's, yeah. you know, but yes. Yeah. That would be the goal is that that just that environment. And it's clear, you know, in our teacher training, you can report us, you know, studios, all of it. Okay. I have one more question, actually, that this made me think of because I so like when I was researching a little bit about like Bikram, like because you can see how this happens, right? Like somebody goes to a studio and they have a transformational experience with their amazing Bikram yoga teacher. And then they go and they say, oh my gosh, I want to know more. And that person in the front of the classroom knows more and looks sexy. And there's, you know, this whole environment there. And then they go, well, I think you should train. That person in front of the classroom says, well, why don't you take the training? And oftentimes, from what I was hearing that was happening to younger women, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, who were just starting like their career and their life. And I'm going, what would I do if I was a mom? I have a daughter. If I had a daughter who came to me at 24 and said, I'm going to be a Bikram yoga teacher, what would you suggest a parent do? Like, how do they research to find the information? Let's say you had no idea about Bikram yoga. You know, that is a very good question. And I will tell you, I was 28 when I started and 30 when I did training. Um, I'm also a unique kind of person. I'm very strong. I am very lucky. I do not have personally a history of any sort of assault. um, or I I don't know what, what the word is to say. I've never really experienced anything in that space. I'm a very strong person. You know, you could also go the other way and say, yeah, I guess, you know, men didn't walk across the bars for me either. But um I've talked to people about this because when things have gone on in your world that have not affected you at all and that you did not see, I had to understand how that is. And one of my friends says, Val, you're very awake. Um, I also, you could say I'm not certain people's types, whatever, but the fact is this, I think one of the reasons I started my teen yoga was as a, that was kind of the first thing I did about 10 years ago. I also have two daughters that are almost 18 and 15 and a half. When they were preteens, I created Yogi Val's Preteen Yoga for Girls, was kind of the original thing I did as a confidence booster. And I also invited anyone in LGBT or who identified um, LGBT because I think standing in power in your body, you know, and a lot of our kids are learning, it's like, you don't even have to give them a hug. Like you get to decide your body and standing in the power of your body, you know, not everyone likes the shape of their body. You know, in preteen, you're going through so many changes. So I think teaching kids and, and empowering them to like who they are and make better choices in their friend groups and stand up to people who make them uncomfortable, all of these things are really important. And I got to tell you, I had a friend from my hometown in Northern California who reached out to me because, you know, anyone knows I'm the yoga person. And her daughter had gotten into some teacher and she wanted to send her to India. I'm like, do not, do not send a 21 year old girl to India to go to an ashram. Sorry, I'm yelling. I said, <laughs> you are she, good. she is way too vulnerable. I don't fucking care. I don't care what you think you know or what she thinks she knows. Way too vulnerable. Because, you know, I never saw Bikram as my guru. 
I only saw him as a teacher. And one thing back in the day, he did not present as a guru. He, in fact, you know, Indian culture, you touch feet. I've, I've spent two trips to India with Patabi Joyce. I got very into Ashtanga in the earlier days. And I never saw him as a guru, but everyone did. It was kind of fun. Like part of it's like so against what you do. It's like, oh, I want to do that and just kind of see how that feels to just kind of give into that. There was something actually interesting about that. But Bikram didn't present that way until later was this, but he, it wasn't still touching the feet, but it wasn't until later that he kind of played that card. But the fact is when you talk to, if you watch any of these documentaries, when young women are so enamored, that alone gives these people way too much power. Yes. So not creating that, not allowing that to exist, standing up for yourself, no, you know, listening to your gut. Um, I never sent young women at that age that I can think of to teacher training. And really, Rebecca, most people were not that young. That's why it should have been noticed more. Yeah. Most people were 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Wow. People were a rarity. And it's why they should have been watched out for more. And, you know, part of my thing is I was having children on a lot of those travels. I also don't have the patience to be around it very long. I told you I'm impatient. I would show up, rock star it out and leave. So I was never around very much. But I just go to college. Or go to like, you know, the, the city college I said on the board, they do a teacher training, do something like that, that is so regulated, led by women. Like, I just, you know, I, I just. Some of my favorite teachers that I've hired at my studio came out of a university setting. They got a degree in something else, but also got a 200 hour teacher training while they were in college. Like, I love that because talk about regulations, like going through a university setting. It's great. Yeah. And I mean, what I will also say is I can't tell you that none of the studios in my community have a sexy vibe. I just find it highly, highly inappropriate. Yeah. And that is something, you know, my community, there's an element of that from my teacher and from other people over there that I find highly inappropriate. Well, and I don't think that's unique to Ikram because I came from an Iyengar studio. My, my first studio was an Iyengar studio. And I saw that at that studio and it was very much what I saw was that what we do is highly personal. People come into our spaces with their vulnerable bodies and their vulnerable feelings and feelings of intimacy come faster in those sorts of situations. And we as teachers are often not trained how to even handle that in the way like priests are trained how to handle that. You know, you come in, you feel so grateful. I found God. Thank you for giving me this. And so, yeah, it does sort of make the environment highly charged. And I think it's our job as the stewards of our community to take that down like 55,000 notches. And guess what? We can. And if you want to, yeah. I'm going to come back to your question. What's the bridge? Let's talk about boundaries because they're universal. There Ooh. you go. Yes. Oh, my and God. I love a, that. Yeah. And it's I have to say, it's one of the things I'm best at is establishing boundaries. And people have a really hard time with that. There's a bridge we could, I'm telling you every yoga lineage out there today, we yes. could come together and talk about boundaries and be totally unified. There you go. I love it. I, I am on board. This is, that's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on Val. Truly absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for this chat today, Val. It was incredible. Here are our key takeaways. First, I'm going to start with a question. What do you think about regulation within our industry? Val talks about how in the 90s, there was a lot of talk about yoga, the yoga industry regulating itself before the government stepped in to regulate us, thus the rise of the Yoga Alliance. What are your thoughts on this? We still discuss regulation on a fairly frequent basis as an industry, especially in yoga therapy circles. And have you considered what it would mean to be a quote unquote licensed yoga teacher? Do you love or hate that idea? Next, we absolutely can organize in our own communities. Val started Oya oh yeah with a website and a logo, and now she runs retreats, organized gatherings and trainings, and holds a standard for her community. If that is your passion, consider finding out how to do that. Next, grief for loss is ongoing, especially in a community like Hot Yoga, where Bikram is still out there teaching and doing potential harm, the rest of yoga should be looking at how we can support and lift up those who have been hurt by his actions. Next, 
Corporate yoga has absolutely gone after hot yoga studios first. There's no doubt about that. But right now, there is a fever pitch for people to support our local boutique studios and teachers ever since COVID. So now is the time to make sure that everyone in your local community knows who you are and what you're about. Take advantage of this time of local support. Next, Bikram Yoga was never a franchise. I know, I thought it was too. So if you did, I get it. I'm glad to be educated and to know what it was really like in that community. Oya has no affiliation with Bikram Yoga or the organization KPC Life. So if you're looking for non-Bikram affiliated hot yoga teacher for your studio, go to their website, www.ohyassociation.com. Next, imagine being part of an organization that takes stances for ethical business practices like Val and Oya. I'm going to be honest, my key takeaway here is that that attitude is refreshing as hell. And finally, boundaries. Can we spend 2024 talking about how we make better boundaries with our students, with our co-teachers, in our lives, and in our businesses? Because Val is right. We need a huge dose of this medicine. Next week is the beginning of two weeks of From the Vault episodes. I know a lot of you found my episodes with Pooja Varani a couple years ago, and that's how you became listeners. Pooja and I have known each other and met in real life a few times and did a whole bunch of podcast episodes. I'm sharing one of our Hidden Vault episodes next week. Will it be about MLMs, the Yoga Alliance, something else? I promise it will be juicy. We will get real, be vulnerable, and slide right into the good stuff. And on December 26th, the day after Christmas, take a listen for my year-end wrap-up episode. I'm going to go through everything I've seen in the yoga space this year, our lowlights, and our highlights. I love year-end lists, so I cannot wait to share. Thank you so much for joining me around the water cooler, friends. I will catch you on our break time next week.